Where did you like to play as a child? I ask this question a lot because childhood memories shape us into the people we become. Welcome to Play It Forward, a worthy podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Ritson. Thanks so much for joining me. I talk a lot about play. I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I'm an educator, and I'm a playground designer. So I want to gather some of my favorite people who are advocates of children and nature and create a space to have an honest conversation about getting more kids outside. The power of play is very often underestimated and I think we all need a little more play in our lives. Today's guest considers herself as a playwork evangelist. She's directed and produced an incredible short documentary about adventure playgrounds that has been affectionately coined as a horror film for hover parents. And it's called The Land. It's personally one of the biggest influences on my play journey back in the early days as I was going down the rabbit holes of play to try to understand it a bit more and to see the engagement in this film and the application and the grace of those people working with the children was like, I've got to be a part of this. I've got to understand more. Um, she also has a Playwork podcast. She's a mum and the worthy team thinks she's awesome. Today we're chatting about playwork, getting beyond the junkyard with adventure playgrounds, risky play of course, and a whole lot more. With a big warm welcome via Zoom all the way from stunning Vermont. Thank you for joining us, Erin Davis. Thank you. This is very exciting. Glad to talk to you. Quite an intro. <laughs> no pressure. But thank you Feels so good. much for joining us. And like I mentioned in that intro, like been a huge influence on me. So it's really awesome. And I can't believe it. It's the great. film I've recommended the most in my life would be this mm. one. Okay. Wow. Um, oh, so as we do with all our guests, we start by taking a little stroll down memory lane. Where did yeah. you like to play as a child? Yeah, I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, um, in a city neighborhood with, you know, uh, there were 10 to 12 kids who lived in the neighborhood. We had a street with houses, trees to climb, sidewalks, um, dogs to walk. And I was thinking about this, like, you know, our radius was probably no more than 100 yards and included three or four homes that we all kind of like triangulated between. Um, we occasionally would venture beyond that to go to the store by candy, but mostly we were, um, you know, in that little bubble. Um, and at least that's how I remember it. And we watched a lot of TV, um, but we played outside a lot. We, you know, we had the sort of classic, playful American childhood. Suburbia? Well, it wasn't suburban. Or outskirts. Um, but maybe in your imagination, it sort of looked like that. But cooler I would say anyway yeah you know like um water fights leaf piles riding bikes built ramps um slip and slides snow days we had a lot of most of many of us were latchkey kids so we were home after school without our parents and in the summer a lot of times without our parents just kind of screwing around what did you say is something kids there latchkey kids latch like we came home kids. with a house key around our neck you know right. and let ourselves in i have not yeah. heard that phrase before uh, yeah um when i think of that american childhood what stands out to me is actually enjoying the seasons and being here mm. in on the gold coast we don't really get proper seasons 
I mean, it's a very specific American childhood, you yeah. know, informed by our, like, the jobs that our parents had and the houses that we were lucky to be living in. And um, But yes, we did have four seasons. <laughs> and actually, I don't think it's in my office now, but a lot of times I have this photo of us um, all piled on top of each other in a, on a snow day. And I talk, when I talk about play, a lot of times I reference snow days, like those days, that feeling you get when all of a sudden your schedule is clear, like you were supposed to be doing this one thing, but it gets canceled. You're supposed to go to school, school canceled. So what do you do with your time? What is it that you choose to do with your time? That's sort of how I start getting my college students thinking about it um, when I'm working with them here. Yeah, it because it's so of, hard to access that feeling as an adult. Yeah, um, absolutely. Of like, oh, cool, I get to. What do I actually want to do? You know, what do I want to do? What do yeah. I want to do first? And the um the environment is offered that arena because mm. despite snowing, you've yeah got rid of the supervision. <laughs> like, no right. parents going to go seagull you and stand over you and squawk out in the cold. They're like, not when it's freezing. <laughs> go do your thing. It's too cold. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The elements yeah, it's true. on your Snow side. Snow does offer some freedom there. Yeah, definitely. And it's a loose part. Totally. 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 How, um, how, and nobody cares about it. It's not precious, right? You, it's not like the lawn <laughs> yeah. or the leaves that you're tossing out of a pile that someone raked. It's like the snow's going to melt and it'll be yeah all over soon. It paints yeah. a beautiful picture of like the like this natural element that offers these mm-hmm. same outcomes and um, benefits as loose parts. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And definitely. also you've just got that no, um, novelty, wonderment, um, adventure. Mm-hmm. And it comes down to the, mm-hmm. had, you were getting right. that affordance of time, freedom and possibilities. Mm. And a surprise, you know. You wake up in the morning and you look out the window and everything's different. So yeah. there's like an excitement to explore. And how did that experience contribute to what you do today? I and, don't and, know. and what did that I journey really, look yeah. like? How did you get there? How, how did you get to play work? How did you get to the land? I'm intrigued. Yeah. I mean, okay, so how did how does that how does that playful childhood affect me today? I really I've been thinking about this and I just don't know. I think it's just like it's just in me now. <laughs> I don't know if there's like a straight line to anything necessarily, but if it's if it's just baked into me now, those experiences. And I think that um, if anything, maybe that sensation like deep in my brain is like a touchstone that I carry around. Um, like, so that when I'm doing something else <laughs> in my adult life, um, that's good. If I'm doing the right thing in my life, it like resonates with those playful experiences. Does that make sense? I was trying to yeah. sort of thinking about, think about that. Like I have, I have, because of that playful freedom that I had in my childhood, I like um, have experienced and can like recognize what feels right for me and what feels good in my adult life. Maybe. Yeah, and um, what I hear there is like every time you're thinking about it and reflecting on it, you're bringing that positivity and emotion and the mm. physiological state into the present and you're making it yeah. in now as well. I think that is what it what feels like carries through is the physiological, whatever the physiological state is, that's what's still alive um, in my the adult version of me. Um, and I don't know, and I think, 
maybe enjoy. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Well, that's that's a perfect at, best, at its best. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a perfect play work response, by the way. <laughs> You're like, what? I don't know. What's the possibilities? <laughs> Let's so. see. Let's explore. Yeah. So, I mean, how how I ended up at the land? I mean, um, it was 2010, and I was living in New York City, uh, working as a nanny, among other things, keeping you know my head above water. And I read an article in the New Yorker. I was just you know living my life, reading the this, that, the other, and I picked up a New Yorker magazine and I read an article called "State of Play" by Rebecca Mead. And um, this is in 2010, and she was writing about um, the Imagination Playground that had just been installed in the south side of Manhattan. And um, it, the article's very interesting. If you haven't read it, it's really cool. It sort of um, tells the story of the evolution of playgrounds in New York City, why they were developed. And um, I was nannying at the time, so I was like, great, let's go. <laughs> let's go to this new playground. And the big sort of special thing about the imagination playground is these loose parts these big do you know the imagination playground blocks those big foam blue blocks yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um so that that was the first time i had heard of those blocks they're developed um designed by a really amazing designer named cass holman and you know the imagination playground had water sand loose parts and these people who worked there called play workers and you know in the sort of like footnotes of this um article was the fact that this was informed by something called an adventure playground that came around in the UK by a woman named Lady Allen of Herdwood. And um, I was like, well, what's that? <laughs> you know, and kind of, I just fell down the rabbit hole. You know, you Google image search adventure playground once and you find so much cool stuff. Um, there was just really no turning back after that. Um, I was intrigued by, you know, the the name Playwork. Like, who are these people who have to learn, who have to be trained to be playful? What does that mean? Um, and I just started like meeting people and emailing people. I just, I don't know. I just cared all of a sudden. I don't know why. I just cared and was really, really just curious. <laughs> I was just really truly interested. Um, I can I completely relate to that feeling. Kind people who just brought me right in. Yeah. Yeah. I relate <laughs> because by watching the land and then going down these Google rabbit holes of, oh. of adventure and it's like, oh yeah, this is where it started. No, that's not where it started. It goes back further. <laughs> yeah. And then you oh know, my like, gosh. the influence of that and where it is now and the perception. And, yeah. and the crazy thing was learning about how it's, you can actually go and study play work for me. I was like, oh. you can what? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, also I mean, it be, be acknowledged in the UK as well. I'm, I'm not mm -hmm. familiar with if it's recognised in the States, but it's not recognised in Australia, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, only in a very small way, I would say. A meaningful but small way. Um, yeah, so I actually didn't find the land at first. At first, I just got really interested in the imagination playground. Yeah. And um, in my obsession with this, uh, I saw a, an announcement that the architects who designed the imagination playground were giving a talk in New York at some like architecture center. So it was free. So I was like, okay, cool, I'll go. And um, I go there, it's an architecture center in New York. Everyone's super cool and everything. And I sit there and listen to the talk and at the end ask a question and I say you know you talk about all these benefits that the kids are getting they're learning physics they're 
um, doing this, you know, they're, they're um, whatever, doing conflict resolution, stuff like that. And I was sort of, I can't remember exactly what I said, but basically I was like, how do you know that that's happening? And why is that so important to you? Like, what's so important about that to you? Based some question like that. And um, I don't even remember what they said, but I, I think they sort of poo-pooed it or like, I don't even remember. The point is at the end of the talk, everyone's milling about and I'm like getting ready to leave as quickly as possible because I'm basically embarrassed. And this person comes up to me <laughs> and they say, hi, my name is Morgan Lecter Saxby. I think we would like each other basically. <laughs> and she is Morgan Lecter Saxby, who's a co-founder of Pop-Up Adventure Play. Yeah. Um, and we're now very good friends. And she invited me to a pop-up event that they were doing and sort of like gently <laughs> held my hand into the playwork world and introduced me to other people. And so I started calling around, calling people and spoke with Penny Wilson at one point who said, maybe I think you might actually like this new place called The Land. You should go check it out or give Claire a call at The Land. And the rest is history, I guess. There you are. And there we go. Yeah. What was the difference you saw in the children you nannied at the Imagination Playground compared to mm -hmm. where you were taking them previously? Um, I think what's interesting about my experience with that family is that those kids were so smart and bright and silly and curious and fun. And I was under the impression <laughs> based on the media that I had seen about children at the time that children were lazy, bored, incapable, terrible. Their childhood was being wasted away on screens. You know, I was like, that's not true. These are, ki these kids are great. You know, these kids are smart, cool, whatever. They read, <laughs> they fight, they watch TV, whatever. And so I was very intrigued by like the dissonance between the way the public was talking about children and these actual children in yeah. front of me. So that was one thing. And also I was living in New York city, like very, and they were, you know, like a um, middle-class family basically and upper middle-class family, I guess. And they, um, their kid, I was very aware of the lack of privacy that the kids had. They're never out of eyesight of an adult. Um, they just aren't, and they live in a two-bedroom apartment, you know, like they're never out of earshot of an adult. Um, and I was always just kind of like aware of that and aware of like, I don't know, I was just aware of that, I guess. I'm like, how do kids, how can kids have privacy <laughs> or like a semblance of privacy? And that's something that I feel like the land offers children in its sort of one, in, in its sort of weird way. Like, even though there are adults there, like they don't, they're not there in the same way that nor, quote normal adults are there they no. offer the children a sense of privacy yeah i think it's comes that you're honoring the humanity of childhood oh, and, and and the right yeah. of that mm. um so for our listeners that aren't familiar with the land yeah and right. i'm not going to try to describe it when i've got you right here that have delved so <laughs> deeply into it. So can you give our listeners an overview of the land? I mean, the land is a junk playground in uh, embedded in a neighborhood in um, Northern Wales. And if you've never seen it, it's a junk playground. So it's a plot of land. It's about an acre, maybe less. It's not huge, but there's a lot going on there. It's full of stuff. Um, there's old toys, buckets, keys, trees, balls, blankets, brooms, saws, a bike with no chain, 
Um, there's a stream that kind of runs through it. So that, you know, goes up and down. There's water, there's a fire pit, um, wigs, paint, dress ups. It's like every, so spontaneous, everything's so spontaneous. Um, there are things that are very, very small, like a marble. And then there are things that are very, very large, like a tree that you can climb. So it's very spontaneous, wild, chaotic looking environment initially when you first arrive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, while you're there, like, kids can do anything they want with anything they find. I guess that's important to know. Yeah. And um, um, how yeah. did you like you went there, you saw it. And then what were the next steps in that journey to be able to go, OK, I'm going to do something with this? I, I went there for like three days just to see it. Life changing. What can I yeah. say? I mean, people who see it in a 20 minute video, it really affects their parenting and their work like permanently. Yeah. And I really just think of the film as like an attempt to, to just, um, uh, you know, elevate what they, what they do or not, you know, to uh, broadcast it, just make it accessible to people who can't yeah. go there. Um, Cause you, you see it and, and it, and it, and it speaks for itself, I yeah. think. Um, it's, the, it, it's just so counterintuitive. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. so crazy It's something looking. that doesn't make sense, that really no. challenges your perception of what a playground is or what children should, oh. inverted commas, be doing. Um, mm -hmm. But then you see it in action and you go, that makes mm -hmm. sense. And it kind of ignites this for so many people that I've had conversations with. It ignites this truth they already know but they didn't realize yeah oh totally and that's oh, what totally. it did that's exactly what it did for me i think that it gives people permission i mean it gives the children permission when they walk onto the land they're like oh cool i can make a mess oh cool i can make this space my mm. own oh cool i can tidy this up if i i yeah. can do it i it's permissive and I think when people see the film, it's like the spectrum of what is possible just widens, like the scope widens, like, oh, maybe I don't need to clean up at the end of the day, or maybe I, or whatever it is. I yeah. mean, everybody's different. Yeah. And it, like the perception of it, that it is like this unsafe free for all. And it's kind of like mm. an act of not caring from, from the uh, adult's standpoint, it's like, yeah, you just do your thing type, but it's very, very mm -hmm. intentional, but, right. but in a, in a passive way in the con, in the arena of input, like mm. I, what my takeaway was, is that we try to give children resources constantly and mm. like, they don't need more resources. They don't need more things. <laughs> we need to just create the environment, mm -hmm. which gives them permission because the first step's permission, um, that create the environment for them to flourish within it and not have to go do the movement for them, not to go do the learning or the prescribing for them and take that step mm -hmm. back. How did you move into that community from as play workers, as an outsider, as a novice? Were you just get involved or was it just participatory? Oh my God. I was just like a ball of manic enthusiasm. You know what I mean? I think that like a lot of times you sort of, and I see people do this now and I'm just like, Oh my God, I do this where you see that you see, you get so excited and you're like, I know about, I know this, this is familiar. This feels right. I am like this. <laughs> I can do this, you know? And, um, it's very like life affirming and exciting 
And I was very like affirmed and excited to be there. And I think I sort of like became humbled the longer that I was there, the more I worked with the material afterwards, the more I've studied and learned about play work afterwards. I've been very humbled by, um, by what happens there. So I kind of, I, I don't know how, what they would say, but in retrospect, I feel like I was so amazed. I just wanted to like soak it all up and like, I just wanted to soak it all up. And um, in the process of making the film, I hope I was, it like kind of sank in a little bit. Well, that, you achieved that for me, that's for sure. And <laughs> I know that familiarity of um, the awkward stages <laughs> of the implementation. <laughs> and it is awkward at the start. Right. It's like, oh, fire. Yeah. Kids should totally be allowed to have fire. Oh, yeah. Swearing. Yeah. Let them swear. Yeah. Like, be free, man. You know, like, that was sort of, like, very um, exciting. That was very exciting about that space. And I've come, I just, I mean, it's still, like, something very exciting about the that space, but it's also specific. It's just so specific and special about that place. It, it's not, that's not what it's about. You know what I mean? So I think I was and a lot of people are, including me, I think it was very dazzled by those things initially. And they are dazzling. Yeah. And they are the they are the culmination of like almost a de- at the time even almost a decade of relationship building and yeah. work that they were already doing. You know, that's like deep. They were in deep at that point. And I just like dove in and was like, cool guys, this is awesome. Yeah. How long was it going when you came in? Um so the the playground itself. I think, you know, they, as I recall, they would talk about it as the fence went up because there's a six foot high privacy mm-hmm. fence around up the whole thing. So no one has to look at it basically. And they say, you know, the fence had been up for about a year when I got there, um, but they had been doing pop-up events, community projects for yep. at least seven years before that. Wow. So the neighborhood, you know, the parents knew them, the kids knew them, they knew the kids, older siblings, they were really in, in deep, um, there yeah. for sure so when it came to um like you mentioned the relationships and the sores and the swearing and the fire pits yeah. they're all things that would challenge like normal perception of what children should be doing and right in what you're saying there yes the families locally had accepted it and embraced yeah. it even and yeah. but you were you had to narrate a story or a message mm-hmm to people that are so far removed on it. So what was your approach in trying to mm-hmm. deliver this challenging message? Yeah, I mean, we started small. The, sh- the film is short <laughs> and I don't think it's for beginners necessarily, for sure, anyway. I mean, beginners see it and they, whatever, take, take have their own experience with it. But um, even regardless, um, we start small. You know, we start, we start with a risk that adults, that child, take, you see it in the, early in the film, you see a child taking a risk that an adult think is cu- thinks is cute, right? Yep. She's swinging over a fire, uh, um, a mud pit. There's a little girl on a rope swing, and she's trying to get from one side to the other of the mud pit. And she almost makes it and doesn't. She almost makes it again. And spoiler, she makes it in the end. It's beautiful. And so the audience inevitably is like, yay! You know, happy yep. for her for sort of a A smile thinking have- about it. It's adorable. I mean, it's, it's completely charming and sweet. And it's really cool. She's super proud of herself. Um, and 
then things kick up a notch, I guess, in terms of the risk taking. A child climbs a tree. So that's like, um, we have a scene where a child climbs a tree and gets down. And um, that's a risk that a lot of adults remember taking, yeah. um, but haven't done in a while. You know mm. what I mean? So they're like not as familiar <laughs> yeah. with it. Um, yeah. So, and then things sort of kept that there's also like um, uh, kids are playing with something uh, with a mannequin and like that sort of triggers a, a more like sort of like emotional risk and like emotional um, problems that adults are like issue that adults take issue with. Um, and then there, there's a, another set. So we, my point is um, the, you know, we up the ante sort of throughout the 20 minutes. Yeah. You don't just throw it up, up their face first. <laughs> yeah. I think if you're trying to um, adopt a playwork practice in your environment, the lesson of the film and playwork in playwork itself is like, start very small, you know, time, yeah. space, and playwork. Like you don't need to fight. You don't need to hand out matches. <laughs> you can have bubbles and, have plenty of bubbles so that if they spill, it's not a problem. You can let the kids blow as many bubbles as they want. You can let them get sticky, whatever. I don't know what, I don't know what it is for that place. It doesn't have to be, you know, high gear right yeah. off the bat. And nor was the film. I hope. Yeah. Incremental <laughs> steps is the overall Incremental tip steps. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I like yeah. that point you made just there. It's, we, we look at the land and we think of all of the physical risk, but yeah. we have to acknowledge that emotional risk as well, especially in high risk oh. communities and how to work through mm -hmm. that um, within your relationships, within the environment. And also you know, that dealing with that emotion is a part of the parent that's trying to implement it or expose their children to these these situations like yeah I feel mm -hmm. uncomfortable I feel mm -hmm. and I'm like that's okay mm -hmm. I'd much prefer you feel uncomfortable about your child maybe getting hurt than not <laughs> most definitely it is an I mean I think the, I, the topic of like parenting and play work is also very interesting to me like it's two totally different things, <laughs> you know, like I, I would like to talk to more people about like, can a, you play work your own child? And I, I'm sort of like, if you ask me right now, I'd say like, basically, no, you can't. <laughs> it's just not the job of the parent. Mm. I don't know. I mean, there are definitely play work um, yeah. aspects of play no, work that good. are part of me now that are part of my life for sure. Yeah, You're lucky to have a play worker in your life who can support your child through their playful choices yeah. um, without that sort of like reptile brain sort of jumping in and yeah. uh, screwing everything up. The react brain. Yeah, I've found that with my daughter. Yes. I have a daughter who's seven and a son that's four. And oh, cool. being proactive in the play and being an active oh. or inactive participant depending if they're dragging me in right but one of the observations right. i made my daughter started to have a default of me being the vessel to activate <laughs> not so much activate the play but to be that uh, security sure. for her to feel safe and secure to explore within a new environment with children um, and it got to the stage where my daughter would come up and we'd be having a family gathering or 
a catch up at a park or whatever, mm-hmm. a birthday party. And she'd come hold my hand. She's like, you're the children's adult. You, it's not your job to be with the adults. You, your job's with the children. You're the children's adult. Oh, interesting. So yeah. there is, and then I had to be like, whoa, I don't want to be the driver mm. of it. And that relationship and in that structure had to change. Mm. So, so that you were less involved. You didn't so want I was to be less as involved. involved. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Because I'm not going to be there always, and I didn't mm. want that to become a standard. Well, if I'm not there to offer the cues <sighs> for her to run with, like, yeah. and then that was hard because, you know, coming to me constantly saying, "But you're the children's adult. Let's go," and I've got to be like, oh my God. "Well, I'll be over soon. You start." Yeah. And I'll be there and trying to d- create that bridge. And yeah, it's absolutely hard. So. Yeah, parenting is this whole other bag of worms. Yeah. It, it's definitely been interesting, sort of like learning about playwork as a, like, not a parent and yep. now um, being a parent. It's. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I can't tell if they overlap a lot or not at all. Yeah. It's a, it's a <laughs> or almost one. not at all. Yeah. <laughs> not sure. Once again, I think for me, I just go back to let's offer an environment for those that opportunity to happen. And that's yeah. my responsibility as a parent is just to expose the children to the environment where it can mm. happen, not be the driver yeah. of the environment. And in, in the film, you know, Claire says it so beautifully. She says, we watch the children that we work with and we see what interests them and then we provide yeah that's all it is <laughs> yeah yeah watch and provide and i love there's another quote in there it says it's not your feeling of uncomfortable being uncomfortable which should inform your next move it's the child mm-hmm. that should inform the move mm-hmm. you're like i use that one all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> especially when it comes yeah, over to good. those risk adverse people and you know right. leveraging on that act of love act of kindness this emotion we have for the children in our lives let's work with that but it means you work on that. You work with this mm-hmm. emotional challenge. Like my daughter recently was up like a tree. It was like seven meters high, sketchy, mm-hmm. thin branches. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. yep, okay, that's cool. Um, mm-hmm. I still had sweaty hands. Yeah. I wasn't going to tell her to get down. I wasn't going to tell her to be safe. I wasn't going to interject in any way. But it was like, I'm still nervous about that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, and and I think there's a scene of tree climbing in the film too. And I think it's fair to say that Dave, who's a play worker at the land, there's a child up a tree. And I think it's fair to say that he was nervous about this situation. Um, And because the kid was high up and it had been snowing. And so the branches were like soft with water. And he says, Ethan, (laughs) or the kid, you know, he says, a thicker one, a thicker branch than that snapped on me the other day. A line of information. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Uh, it was a beautiful way of communicating his concern without being like, "Get the hell down from there." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the the um. With that line of information, like it is yeah. so valuable. Time and time again, I witness an educator reframe and say like move away from the be careful or the authoritarian and just give them the information they need to make an informed decision for themselves. And mm. I see, I, I, now I look for the double take from the child. Is they kind of like, mm. what? 
you're mm-hmm. you're supporting me. You're not mm. just being this authority. You're not mm. just being the general. And it, the rapport that's built in a short amount of time by your interaction within that play arena with children is phenomenal. Mm. And just that, it, it just constantly blow. I've been involved with this for four years and it still blows me mm-hmm. away about the value of yeah. it. Well, that's what I love about playwork is that it can be um, immediately useful. Like you can turn off this podcast and the next time you're with a child, count to three before you say anything, mm. when you start to feel the tingles of nerves, you know, um, and there, like you're already like the playwork is seeping in yeah. <laughs> to your body, or you can spend 10 years studying it, writing about it, traveling the world, meeting people. Um, it's like, it's just such an ocean. It's such an ocean. And you can like enjoy it for a day and dip your toes in, or you can like be a sailor <laughs> yeah. and sort of be out there in the, in the deep. Yeah. One of my favorite attributes of it is that it's accessible. Yeah, it is. It really is. Um, um, to that yep. degree, I just want to mention the Playwork Primer by Penny Wilson, which is a, uh, a free sort of PDF booklet that she wrote. Yep. Um, Penny Wilson wrote it. It's just such a, like, a beautiful resource that you can sort of print off at the office and Excellent. take it out, drink it over coffee and just really useful yeah I'll, I'll put a link for it into the show notes um and oh, cool. this is a great opportunity to let's talk about your podcast so we can yeah. put that in the show notes as well sure i mean um the playwork podcast there's um is a podcast for people who love play and anyone who listens to your podcast either knows everything that we talk about already or would love it and we really um try what it's my my co-host is Morgan Lichter-Saxby, the um, co-founder of Pop-Up Adventure Play. And, you know, we get the same questions all the time. How do I do this? What yeah. is play work? How do I start an adventure playground? And so we really t- talk through those questions and put it on the internet yeah. so that people, whenever they fall down the rabbit hole, it's there waiting for them. Excellent. Um, yeah. Going to that accessibility, there's a um, school in Brisbane, which is just close mm-hmm. by to us. And... It's a, it's a challenging community there, um, mm-hmm. great community. They have their challenges. And during the COVID, they, schools got shut down, but there was some mm-hmm. high-risk um, activities. So the children were still coming to school in, mm-hmm. in that community. So um, the mm-hmm. principal uh, thought it was a great opportunity to um, implement loose parts. So he converted his, mm-hmm. um, bar, his tennis courts into loose parts area for, for children wow. to explore. What a gift. Um, and the results he's had are phenomenal. That he's had mm-hmm. in one year for the high-risk children that were involved with this initial just that program, there was a 70% drop in violent incidents in one year mm. just wow. due to the collaboration mm-hmm. um, and a 30% increase in attendance. Mm. It's useful to have that quantifiable impact. <laughs> yeah. It's phenomenal. It's very useful to, to have that. Um, um, but it's, share. it's equally as important to like hear that child's voice and be like, look at you when they're building something. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't believe you're letting us do this. Mm. And I'm like, what are you talking about? No, like, let us have fun. <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. oh. 
So mm-hmm. it's it's heavy. Um, I do have a it's a bunch. win-win. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And um, we recently we've got an Imaginasium, which is a twenty-foot container filled full mm-hmm. of loose parts oh, yeah. and shelving units. So totally. We Genius. Ship, we ship that around like fire affected town in um, Victoria. We sent it down there for them yeah. recovering from the bushfires. Amazing impact. Mm, mm-hmm. Next week we've got um, over two days, we've got the Imaginasium going to a park in Logan mm. and it's set up with mm. a fence and a bunch of volunteers. Mm-hmm. And it just got put online advertiser who wants to come and play at this thing and they put up photos. Two days, yeah. a thousand children have registered. Yikes, that's alarming. <laughs> yeah, but it shows it like how amazing is that for yeah, that community yeah. to be like, yes, we're in. You've got buy in. Yeah, it's uh, our fundraising. <laughs> yeah, I'm scared. I'm scared right now about it. Don't get that's me wrong. It's a lot of kids. It's a lot no of No saws there, maybe. So I think no I was like, cardboard. We, we need another container right now. <laughs> right yeah um yeah i have a few questions right. for you from our community here in australia yeah. um yeah we have, we have four adventure playgrounds and this is a question mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. hayano from the australian institute of play he's like we have right. four adventure playgrounds in the whole of australia yeah so what are your tips for people wanting to start or get involved with one I mean, we talked about um, starting small. Yep. Um, so I would, you know, echo that. You know, Jill Wood, who's the founder of an adventure playground in Houston, Texas at a school, she defined adventure playground in a way that makes a lot of sense to me that might be useful to your questioner. And she calls an adventure playground time, space, and playwork. So, um, you know, an adventure playground is a place where playwork is happening. It does not need to be, you know, anything more than that. Yeah. Um, and a great place to to um, start basically is reading that playwork primer and look around for time and space that no one else has claimed and no one expects anything out of it. <laughs> so, um, you know, Jill Wood, when she founded the, the adventure playground at the parish school, she, you should totally Google and look at their beautiful images. They're very inspiring space um she's at a school and you know there's a lot that needs to get done at school that's Mm -hmm. important Um, but after school people are less concerned about so she's like okay after school let's see what we can do where can we do it well we can't use the playground at school because kids aren't allowed to paint or draw or you know destroy it basically Mm -hmm. Um, but they do have a field out back that floods twice a year um, that every, they can't build on and nobody cares about. So they're like, well, we'll take that. So I would say look for the time and the space that is um, low stakes and yep. start, start, start small. I mean, if, if you're asking me. <laughs> no, absolutely. Making it what like, I what's hear at is your fingertips like, already. What's accessible? Do that. Yeah, exactly. Do Don't that. overcomplicate it. Yeah, for sure. No paralysis of, an, paralysis of analysis here. Mm action Don't let that get in the way yeah um so from our friends at camp hill osh they've also um they're a bunch of them are trained in play work and osh in mm. australia is after school hours care ah, okay. so it's children of school age that go before and before and after school and they've got yeah. this um at camp hill they've got a, a complete junkyard playground 
Cool. Which is very abnormal. And it's in the pre- within the premises of the school. Mm-hmm. But it's their own area. Wow. And they've, yeah. um, they've also started Lucky. a um, little training advocacy group called The Outsiders. And a bunch of them are trained mm-hmm. in through pop-up play and a bunch of them are studying currently oh, through pop-up as well. So wow. their practices are kids. awesome. Yeah, there's a wait yeah. list very long. And even yeah. the, the, the stories of the buy-in from the teachers over time, the buy-in from the parents over mm-hmm. time, um, the outdoor classroom day, the International Outdoor Classroom Day, the school actually mm. allocate time to send all children over to the OSH area to engage in play in outdoor classroom day. Wow. Which is How long great. has that been growing? I mean, it's um, been around. Probably, oh, Angus is going to shoot me. Um, but I'd say oh, it would have been like six, seven years maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's great. Yeah, they're cool. doing great stuff. So questions from his team as they delve yeah. into it. They had a staff meeting about it. So <laughs> right. um, were there boundaries in the loose uh, around tools that you observed in yeah. the land or in play work in general? Because I, I want to try to get away yeah. from just the land because you're an expert in yeah. in play work. <laughs> so we... mm, Hardly. But, yeah, I hear hardly. what you're saying. Um, Modesty. Yeah. Like, um, are there boundaries around tool use? I mean, every place is different. You know, yeah. some place, it's what makes sense for your location, I think, is what a play worker would say. So um, I can say at the land, like there are saws and hammers laying around anywhere at the bottom of a stream, you know, on a, or somewhere that you would expect a hammer to be. Um, but lighters, for example, the play workers kept in their pockets. So there weren't lighters everywhere. Mm. Um, I don't know why, but that was just like uh, what worked for them. So, I mean, boundaries around tool use, it's like what what works for you? Start small. Like you can use a hammer in this area, (laughs) you know, and then a year later, maybe you don't care about the area anymore. Um, And I don't know what happens between A and B, but, um, you know, what are the boundaries that will make that will make it possible to say yes? Yeah. Um, put those boundaries in place so that you can say yes. That's a beautiful framing. I really like that, like create the opportunity to say yes and work towards that because yeah. as, as boring right. adults, we're, we generally start at no. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys use a risk-benefit assessment? I mean, the land has a formal risk-benefit assessment procedure and yeah. every element that they incorporate, they, um, you know, fill out a whole form about it and talk about it together and sometimes it's super complicated and sometimes it's not you know it depends on how risky it is um was there any pushback on from the community you said it was very embedded but was there anything Mm -hmm. that was shared with you about when they first started up pushback i mean the ugliness is totally an issue um, and that is the, re- it's a total disaster, <laughs> like visually, if whatever. So, um, I mean, the fence is, the, the idea of a fence is an interesting conversation in play work um, because it does separate yeah. the playful world of children from the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And ideally children would, should be permitted and supported and being playful like anywhere that they live. Um, but in the absence of that opportunity, um, the fence protects the children from the outside world, the one that punishes them for um, 
behaving in X, Y, or Z or would judge the way yeah. that the space looks and stuff like that. So so the fence is actually, although from a play work philosophy standpoint, it's like something you don't want, but from a practicality, right. it actually liberated right. the children. I mean, that's a boundary that yeah. the land implemented yeah. to allow other things to happen. Yeah. The, the, the fence like helps with pushback about the aesthetic yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, there are other places that like the community doesn't want a, you know, like the anarchy zone in Ithaca, New York, when they first installed, they picked up their loose parts every night, put them in a shed, locked it up. And then in the morning they took them out. Um, and they don't do that to the same degree anymore, many years later. So uh, it's, it's things that, change. They started small. They started small. They started small. Took and they like, you know, they're like, fine, we'll clean up, whatever. No big deal. I was lucky to visit um, the adventure playground in Berkeley. Oh, cool. Yeah. That was, that was awesome. We'll put well, that you, one in the show notes That's an interesting one. Well. Yeah. That's interesting because it's such a destination. They have different kids every day. Mm. You know, it's not um, a neighborhood. And uh, so they have their own sort of way of dealing with that. You probably noticed that they have like a, if you bring them a nail, they'll give yeah. you something. What is, I kind of can't um, remember anymore, but if you, they work the, Oh, you have to recycle. You have to be able to recycle some nails to be able to get new ones. Yes, right, 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 right. Yeah. So it incentivizes the kids to sort of do some um, hazard clearing. <laughs> yeah. Did the filming cause any adulteration to the play during it? Yeah, totally. Or, or, of course it did, yeah. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> How so? For sure. Or can you unpack I mean, adulteration for the parent, for the people listening? We were there for three weeks, I'll say that. Yeah. So there were times, it's like we got a little old. Um, that said, you know, Luke shared, Luke, who's a play worker there, shared with me that Ethan had never climbed the tree before we, we came and yeah. he climbed when we were there. Um, there's definitely some jokes that were told that may not have been told if I wasn't there filming. It was maybe like trying to impress or amuse me. I don't know. It's hard to say. It's hard for yeah. me to say. I think the play workers would probably have more to say about that because yeah. they know the kids so well. Um, but yes, absolutely. And I think that it's a, it, it, to me, it means that like whatever I make with this material better be worth it because I totally like went into their world and siphoned out, you know, these images. And so the images better be like, better honor what what's going on in there. Um, now, your main because, role... Yeah now is as a parent mm. so how does how has play work in, impacted or how you operate as a parent it certainly tests my comfort with risk taking for sure so having a child has like changed that lens given you a bit more of a risk reflex lens oh wildly so <laughs> oh yeah big time big time I just want to, you know, protect every, I want to protect him, my little chick, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like the, I, um, so I always appreciate when people push back on me, you know, that'll be fine. He can do it. Yeah. Or, I don't know. I'm not like a total freak or anything, but I definitely sometimes am surprised where I'm like, just shut up, Aaron, talk, stop talking, <laughs> be quiet, step back. Um, Apart from it's telling yourself, I mean, playwork is a practice. <laughs> playwork is a practice. Yeah, um, it's a skill. It's a muscle. Um, so, do you have any techniques to, to get over your fear reflex for parents listening? 
you know, the thing that I, that immediate, I went to the land and it changed me. And when I came back, I talked so, and this has sustained even as a parent, I talk so much, 90% less. I'm way more silent now with when I'm around kids than I ever was. Um, I've become, I think it's like baked in now aware of how little they really need me in their playful moments. Yeah. And I'm constantly like, I, I, I default that they don't need me <laughs> unless they're asking for me. If they're looking me in the eye, if they're extending their hand in my direction, then, then there's a sign that they need me. Um, otherwise I, um, don't assume that they need me. I mean, it's a heartbreaking thing. <laughs> it's what's hard about play work is it's so humbling, you know, it's like, it's not about me. It's not about what I want to do. It's not about what I think is cool, interesting, or should come next. It's not about how I feel. It's not about my hurt feelings, what I think is right or wrong. Yep. Um, so that teaches you about your active agenda or even passive agenda. Hmm. You're like, don't yeah, have yeah. a conscious thought. But then when you catch yourself, you're like, I completely hijacked everything. I turned that into a teaching moment in the middle of their whatever. Yeah. I turned that into a teaching moment. I wasted it. I ruined it. It's not about yeah. that. And that's a that's teaching a, moments are for some other time. Yeah. And that's a thing about that contrast, isn't it? It's between thinking that everything has to be a teaching moment. Mm. When what what's our role as a parent? Are we like there to teach them and show them and do the growing for them? Yeah. On our timeline too. Yeah. I think it's a disservice to your child if you create a world where there's not failure risk independence because when do you want them to fall when they can fall and then extend a hand to you or when they're a teen mm -hmm. when their fall is and their counsel is a peer that is probably going through something similar mm. It definitely gets harder as, as the kids get older, not just my own child, but just children in general. Like it's, you know, play-based preschool was awesome. Kindergarten, cool. First grade, okay, hippies. You know, uh, second grade, se seventh grade, you know, as the kids grow, it's like less valued yeah. <laughs> their playful lives. And so I think that's what's interesting to me too, as a parent to be so invested in these kids, like not just my kid, but all, you know, how you when you have a kid all the kids you love them all yeah. and um you it's like he's going into kindergarten I'm, and I'm thinking is does that mean his playful life is over or it's going to be reduced by half like mm, yeah um that's was, interesting that's sort of where I'm at in my life right now yeah about that specifically um, Matt Robson from um, learning through landscapes in the UK like their mm -hmm. main focus at the moment is um play for teens because they've had like mm. nice traction and, you know, they're getting there with those early years, but they're like, nothing's happening. Yeah. And within surveys that have been done and executed by him, the, the response has been, no, they don't play. So you don't need to come here. Ah. Uh, which is. Yeah. Sad. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's not What type true. of play does your <laughs> child engage with? Oh, one thing about when I was growing up is I was one of the older kids. So I, you know, I was, tw you know, 12 or 13 playing with like six, seven, eight, 10 year olds. 
And yeah. so I always felt like kind of, I was like very um, unusual in my own peer group and that I did have a sort of playful outlet, you know? Yeah. Um, because, yeah, because um, our sort of gang of kids, you know, we all started, I was seven and they were babies, whatever, but we all kind of grew up together and I just sort of hung on a little yeah. longer than some of the other kids did. Uh, or were able to. You got a little bit more before we got boring adults in, into agendas. Um, <laughs> what advice do you have for educators, parents, about letting your children engage in not only just loose parts and adventure-style play, but risk? You know, playwork is working directly with the kids, but it's also navigating the boring, stupid adult world on behalf of children. <laughs> right? It's filing the permits, advocating at the stupid, boring council meeting, you know, getting signatures, petition signatures, applying for grants, um, you know, cutting off grownups at the pass, you know, <laughs> who are coming in to intervene. It's all of that other work um, that's so important. And I think that like the best play workers are awesome with the kids, but they're awesome with the adults. Yeah, They're awesome at engaging adults, at bringing them in, um, talking them down <laughs> <laughs> and, and doing the advocacy, you know, it's, it's advocacy work. It's community organizing. It's like, um, a, you know, a community, a society that's safe and healthy for children is safe and healthy for everyone. And I think that's like one of the really special, important things um, happening in play work. Um, so it's not exactly the, your question, no, that but is the, that's great. That some, that's such, it's not about thing. parenting. You know what I mean? I yeah. think that it gets, it gets sort of like easily sort of mushes into a conversation about parenting, mushes into a conversation about schools, yeah. but play work is its own thing. It's community work. It's, um, advocacy work for, uh, disempowered, underrepresented, um, community of citizens yeah. <laughs> children yeah. um and it's also very like rewarding intellectually stimulating rich um so and what excites you fun. most about being involved in the world of play work and being that play work evangelist yeah this is when i just sound like a religious nut <laughs> basically <laughs> but it's just so true i think there's so much true truth in it um it's so um it's just so true you know it's about like mm, I don't find it to be um hypocritical <laughs> you know it stands up it's solid it's it's a really um it's a really deep and like loving field it's wonderful awesome it is. It's an act of love and kindness to to advocate for our children. And thank you yeah. for, on behalf of everyone that's been inspired and by watching the land um, and mm. the amazing message that you were able to get out to the world. Thank you for inspiring me and opening my eyes to that whole world as well. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for knowing the film. I appreciate that. Thank you for joining us on another Play It Forward Worthy podcast. I hope you got as much out of it as I did. I hope you're ready to hang up this podcast, take action, 
press like, subscribe, and I look forward to you joining us again soon on another Platform Worthy Podcast.